Hi, this is Tracy with Tracy Takes On. I am here with two members of my panel and I am so happy and so pleased that they have joined me. I'm gonna let them introduce themselves here in just a bit. We're looking forward to a great discussion. Um, again, we have two more people that should be coming on sometime next week, hopefully, so that'll bring it up to four. Uh, we definitely want you to remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe to my page. The link will be in the descriptions or description. And I definitely thank you all for participating. And I told them I would give them a signal to when they could take off their phones off of mute. And I'm giving the signal, which means I want them to take themselves off of mute. And I'm gonna let Charles introduce himself first. Hi, uh, I'm Charles Craggett. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio but currently residing in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. At the moment, you can see I'm in the hospital. Hopefully I'll be getting out of here at the latest tomorrow. And uh, I can't say I'm a professional with a political background, but I try to keep up with the issues. And I just know everybody, I tried to talk Charles out of this and he was like, no, I want to do it. So Charles is here on his own accord. I did not force him here. So I'll let uh, Randy introduce himself next. Okay, my, my name is Randy Paul. Um, I'm running, I live in uh, Monroe County, Indiana. Bloomington is the largest city in the county, home of the IU Hoosiers. Um, running for county commissioner under the Green Party. Um, and we have a chance to really make history in Indiana. There's only one green candidate other than myself, and that's Howie Hawkins, our presidential candidate running uh, in Indiana. If we win, it'd be the first time a green party candidate or a third party candidate would have won in the state of Indiana um, at all. And so I think that's exciting. I think we've got a lot to offer. Um, I don't know how much you want me to go into detail about what we're doing now in the campaign or? Um, yeah, it. that's what I was going to say. If you could, could, you first on the agenda to talk and then we'll get into our topic. So go ahead and talk about your campaign and have you decided to launch it, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, I, um, I was a Democrat for 35 years and a loyal one. A lot of the people that are in office currently, I helped get there and have supported. Last August, I left the party because I just don't think that the Democrats or the Republicans have got the commitment on some issues that I feel strongly about. One of the, the greatest ones is, is climate change. And they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk about the Green New Deal. But my prediction is by the time they get done with it, they're gonna water that thing down to the point where it's not gonna mean anything. And so I left the party and started to organize, reorganize the Green Party in Monroe County because their commitment is intense. And they have, they're known as the environmental party, but you know, there's a strong social and a criminal justice component to the party that I think people need to look at. But I felt that the only way I could pursue what I wanted to do uh, was to run as a third party candidate. Um, the other reason I ran is that Monroe County has been dominated by the Democrats for decades. They're the only party in town. Uh, they, they have ownership of every elected office except for one, one Republican in the county council. And with that, I don't care what party you're talking about, um, a single party in any community, I don't think is a good thing. And examples of what have happened recently because of, I think, the dominance of just one party is that the Democrats, the county commissioners that I'm running for, proposed a 70, not seven, but 70% pay increase for themselves. 
and they sent that over to the county council, which allocates the money. And it's like they gave the Democrats a blank check to give to each other what they wanted. And they said, no, 70 is probably politically not a good thing. So we'll give you 25%. 25% pay increase during a pandemic when people in this community are hurting so badly is so obscene. I can't believe they actually did it. But they didn't stop there. Last week they came in and, you know, we are a great community, but we are really divided right now, but with race, with criminal justice system. And one of the things that we're trying to do is to get diversity training for all elected officials. They approved a contract last week for $300,000 to do that training for half the people that are supposed to get it. So it's like a blank check. They're gonna do what they want, they're friends. And I think it's time that somebody um, try to get a third party in uh, so that we can be at least one voice in the wilderness um, to try to make some common sense proposals. It's not like if I'm elected, I'll be one Green Party, third party person in the government. It's not like they don't have a zillion other Democrats they can get a hug from if I do anything that really scares them. But I've wanted to be a different kind of commissioner and I'm running a campaign that's different. I've pledged to do only one term. Uh, I won't, I'm not raising any money. I think people that would support me probably can't afford to give it to me. And so I'm asking people, don't give to my campaign. Either keep it yourselves if you've lost your job or give it to somebody who has really suffered during this pandemic. I think the, I think the other choice that um, made this difficult for me though, is that the two party system in Indiana really controls, as in most cases, they control the political process. And so for me to get on the ballot, I had to get 1100 signatures. And I've done that for candidates before. That's not really that big a job, but then the pandemic hit and social distancing hit and wearing masks. And I couldn't ask my, my supporters to go out and risk their health and the health of people who are gonna sign that petition just to get me on the ballot. So I was forced to, as was Howie Hawkins, is to be a write-in. It's hard enough to win as a third party. To win as a write-in is even, even more difficult because someone has to go in and actually write your name in and your name never shows up on the ballot. They have to remember your name and to write it in. And I think from that standpoint, we've got a big job ahead of us, but I think this is an opportunity for people in Monroe County to really get a, an independent voice. I'd like to be that voice for the next four years. And if, you know, if people have questions about my campaign, they can go to my website. It's randygpaul.com uh, and we can go from there. Can you repeat that website again? Is randygpaul.com. Okay. So um, we do have some topics on um, deck today. Um, and um, we got one more person coming in. I'll let him introduce himself in just a bit. But I wanted to talk about, I was going to talk about, um, and I, <clears throat> sorry, I am going to talk about um, Trump's nomination for the Supreme Court. And I completely forgot what her name is. Um, does anybody know what her name is? Um, I believe it's Amy. It's Amy something something. And I was like, uh, and I was trying to look it up on my phone. Yeah. While I was talking to you all. And um, I should know it because I'm from South Bend and she's from a Notre Dame professor. Yeah, she was. I read her background. And to me, it really bothered me. I mean, I was like, wait a minute. She said, what? Um, if you don't know, I think, I'm pretty sure you guys know her background, right? 
Well, she's an Notre well, Dame I'm professor. Sure she's uh, uh, anti Affordable Care Act, and she's anti-abortion. Oh no, it gets way better than that. It gets better than that. She she belongs to some group that thinks that women are subservient to men, and she doesn't think that a major decision should be made without the husband's input. And I'm like, wait a minute. So you want to be on the Supreme Court? Does that mean every time that she has a decision to make, she's going to ask her husband? I have no idea how that works. I, I was sitting there like dumbfounded. And maybe because I'm just too liberal of a woman to even think in those terms. What, what do you guys think? Well, I, mean, she... I don't think that that's why they picked her. I mean, Trump picked her because he wants to get rid of the Affordable Care Act and he wants to uh, do away with Roe versus Wade, but I really believe that he wants to make sure that there was no kind of tie. Uh, he was he was hedging his election. Yeah. Because he's he's not running against Biden. He's running against election and he's running against the constitution. You know, he's just trying to he's just trying to change everything since uh he's been in office. Right, because I definitely have my own opinions. What do you think, Randy? Well, she I'm sorry, is, is Amy Coney Barrett Barrett? Ah, okay. Well, I mean, she described herself as a polar opposite to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So, I mean, that pretty much tells you everything. I mean, she she described herself that way. That's how she sees herself. Um, you know, when Justice Ginsburg died, I mean, you know, I flipped back and forth from just real sadness for her loss. She was always a real motivator for me because I've had several serious health problems. Uh, I'm disabled. And when I would have a problem, I would think of her, you know, in the gym with broken ribs working out. And I keep thinking, gosh, you know, she can do that. Certainly I can stop whining about what I've got. I mean, she just has tremendous courage. Um, and so there's real sadness to see her, her passing, but yet we need to recognize what she accomplished. But there's also anger because I don't know how many times we have to say that these elections matter. And it goes back, you know, decades after decades, we keep talking about these elections matter. You need to vote. The Supreme Court is at risk. And every single time, you know, we end up in this situation. You know, Hillary Clinton wrote a book about her opinion about why she lost. And she opened that book with saying how many women came up to her and said, gosh, we wish we would have voted for you. I mean, when are people going to wake up? I mean, when are they going to start looking at and say there are some serious issues out there? These elections do matter and they affect your life. And here we are in a position that unless the Democrats can come up with some miracle to stop this nomination you know we've lost the court and she's what 48 years old she'll be on the court forever oh yeah because she's young enough to do it and that was and that was the whole thing that struck me was the hypocrisy of mitch mcconnell and i'm going to say this about mitch mcconnell every time i see him um every time i see him i basically want to throw up because <laughs> he's a hypocrite 
when Obama had um, Garland, who should be on the Supreme Court, he was like, oh, you can't nominate the president because it's an election. Now, all of a sudden, he's like completely forgotten that. And now all of a sudden we have to do it immediately. And I, I'm just I'm just astonished that the media isn't calling out his hypocrisy. Nobody on the Democrat side, well, a few Democrats are calling out the hypocrisy, but I don't know where the outrage is because when Obama was running, oh, we had to hold it up. And now all of a sudden you want to press it through. I, I understand why he's doing it, but I don't understand like how is he that hypocritical? That's what I don't get. Well, I, um, it, he can be hypocritical because there's no law against what he's doing. He just flat out lied about um, saying that, you know, a president in the lame duck shouldn't be picking uh, the justice. But it doesn't mean that a president in the lame duck can't pick a justice. And now, you know, they got a chance to, you know, go up to what, uh, six to three. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if the Democrats wouldn't have did that if, uh, if the shoe was on the other foot, you know, it, it, they should have got it in writing from, or should have got law or something, you know, but I, I wouldn't believe, uh, McConnell, you know, I mean, and I'm sorry that I'm sad that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had to put herself through what she did just trying to make it to the election. Because I'm sure uh, if Trump had a loss, we made it to the election and he had a loss that she would have retired right then. You know, but she's trying to hold on because she didn't believe that that uh, they would try to run another justice through, and they did, and they had picked the justice before they even got her in the ground. Well, I think you know the sad thing is that you know we probably all have to realize is that politics today isn't about ideas it's about power and lindsey graham and mcconnell they don't they don't care if we're going to be critical of them they they want the power they've got the power right now whether we can stop it is uh, is questionable but you know we elected a president who you know we heard on tape rape women and we still have him in the white house so i pretty much gave up when in 2016 when all the things came out with trump and from now from then till now and it just doesn't seem to matter you know his taxes have come out where you and I and everybody else on this panel have paid more in taxes than he has. But that just, I mean, nothing seems to matter. I do think, you know, we talked before we started, I still think Trump is going to get beat. I still think, I, I have faith that most Americans voting will still look at it and say, this has gone too far. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, but I, I, you know, I really want well, I'll hold off on my opinion because we got a new panelist in the room and I'll let him introduce himself. Go ahead, sir. Hey, how you doing, everybody? Uh, this is Mark Brooks, Mark B, um, that I call myself on the radio. Um, I have a show on JQLM Radio 
uh, called The Breaks with Mark B, where I basically talk about politics and everything like that. Uh, I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana, by well, actually from Gary, Indiana, by way of Indianapolis. So I was raised in Gary, um, and I've been here in Indianapolis for about 21 years or so. So we got three Indiana people and one Arizona person out here. Sorry, Charles. Um, so what <laughs> we were right. talking we about, Mark, was we were talking about um, Ruth, Bader, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's um, replacement nomination and how I'm totally scared that he's not that um, I call him y'all's president because I, I will not ever, ever, ever in a million years ever call him president. Um, how right. he's nominated her so fast and they want to press it. So um, what are your thoughts on it? Like, what are you? I, I think that um, at this point, anybody who believes that there are a set of rules that uh, either the Republican Party or Donald Trump are going to adhere to um, has not either been alive for the past three and a half years or they just have been in a bubble. Um, I, I, you cannot expect at this point for him to do what is considered decent because nothing in his life has told him to do the decent thing to get a good outcome um from from shoot him uh having somebody else uh, allegedly do his uh take his sats for him so he could go to so that he could be admitted into a college to him having bone or claiming to have bone spurs there's there's nothing in his life that has shown him having a propensity towards um, following rules or, or following any kind of decorum or anything like that. Uh, so I, I totally believe that he's, yeah, he's going to try and push through um, whoever he can push through, who's going to slant the uh, Supreme Court to the right, uh, to the most extreme right. But his, I think his agenda isn't so much to uh, prevent um people from being able to get abortions or something like that his he's setting himself up for somebody to um not make him go to prison after all of these uh charges that hit him after he leaves the office i think his main goal is it putting somebody in place that allows him to continue to do the things that he's been doing. See, I see it different. This is what I think. I think he's doing it, and, and you all can just disagree with me if you want. I think he's doing it, trying to get it through, because he's really afraid that he's going to lose. And if he can get the election to the point where he goes to the Supreme Court, he's hoping by getting Amy in, or whatever her name is, that she's mm -hmm. going to be that deciding vote that keeps him in office. That's what I think. That's exactly that's what I, I think. I think I think I think that also he, he's already said that he's not committing to a peaceful transfer of power once he leaves the or once he's defeated. So uh, he definitely wants to stack the deck and make sure that anybody that he puts uh, in place is going to help him continue to, to do what he has been doing, which is, you know, the rules are here. If they don't uh, if they don't benefit me, then I'm not going to follow them. But if they do benefit me, then, yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll follow them and pretend like, you know, I've been wanting to follow the rules all along. Uh, so, yeah, I, I believe that you're right. I think that he has so many pending court battles ahead of him. And because of his uh, his tax returns have just come out and we found out how much in debt he is and how and how much uh, how much debt he owes from um, from 
different loans that he's gotten that they're coming up here soon that he wants to put somebody in the Supreme Court that's going to, you know, help help him to slide on past and not have to do the things that normal Americans do, which is pay our, our debts. Well, I think if you look at, I mean, his standard operating procedures is to sue everybody. I mean, he sues yes. late night hosts if they say bad things about him. So he's always in court. And I think it's likely that, you know, people are trying to warn the public not to expect the results election night. My guess is any state that's very close at all, he will go to court. It'll be an Al Gore, George Bush kind of situation in Florida, and it would drag the results out, not for days. It'll, it would drag it out for weeks to where it might even push the January 20th inauguration date uh, under pressure. And, you know, that's the way he handles business. And if he wants to, he'll just sue and he'll sue and he'll sue. And so I think he will eventually leave office. I'm not so sure you're going to have an inauguration on the 20th of January. It could be after that, just before all these lawsuits get settled. But I agree. Having his friends in the Supreme Court, you know, it helped George Bush in 2000. Certainly right. it's going to help him now. Yeah, but what it seems like he's counting on is states will be closed. My flip thought is, and I don't, again, I, I, I clearly think he's going to win. That's what my opinion is. I don't, let me make this clear. I do not want him to win. Do not, right. do not, do not. But my gut tells me, I'm like, mm -mm, I can't see it. But if, if somehow Biden beats him so badly, I mean, just, just slaughters him in all these states, um, like Pennsylvania, Biden is leading right now. Of course, you can't go by polls. We did that last time with Hillary. We saw what happened. But if I was going by the polls today, he's leading in Pennsylvania. Biden's leading in Michigan. He's leading in um, Arizona. He's tied in Texas, which if Trump loses Texas, I promise I will sing and strip on Facebook. I'm telling you right now because there's no way that Trump loses Texas. No, he will not lose Texas. I'm just gonna. Well, him him being tied in Texas is a big deal because yeah, it is. Texas Texas is no. That means that you've done so much so badly that even the the people who are. I've been a Republican my whole life. My daddy was a Republican. My granddaddy was a Republican. Right. I'm a Rep You've done so bad that they're willing to break apart from family tradition just to get you out of office. Right. I think he's done that much. Yeah, like right. I said, if he wins, if he loses Texas, I'm telling you now, you better block your eyes because getting on Facebook, <laughs> I'm going to see and it's strict totally, totally, because he's not, he's not losing. But yeah. if, if Biden beats him so bad, I mean, he just slaughters him. Mm -hmm. You all think he you all think he would still go to court, or do you think I don't think he would accept the loss personally? Well, he thought, I'm sure I'm sure he would try to go to court just to save himself all these legal issues. He he has no choice but to go to court. But I don't think that the court could entertain him. Yet, yep, I think. Also, he look at the big part of the population that he's alienated from the uh, the people who were who lost their jobs you know and the government the and the Republican side of the government hasn't want to do anything for them you know led by Trump 
Yeah, I don't think those people are gonna come back and vote. I mean, they they got to be straight up racist if they're gonna come well, back and the vote thing. for the president. Then you know, but you know, you it, it's like after George Floyd murder, it was like it was a it it went beyond George Floyd a movement like the people are fed up and they're 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 frustrated yeah. and they're and they're taken to the streets uh if they take that to the polls would them no i don't i don't believe that uh trump will win i i really think it'll be a a landslide you know but that's why he's so busy trying to nullify the mail-in ballots, trying to slow down yeah. the, the post office, uh, you know, anything he can do that would be, would, would be a negative impact on the election because he believes he's going to lose. Yeah. And what I find really frustrating is I'm almost embarrassed to say that I've lived in Indiana all my life because it's an embarrassing state to live in because in, I keep hearing people saying, you know, Indiana will go for Trump. You know, in 2008, Indiana went blue for the first time since 1964 with Johnson. We did it. We got our vote out and we turned this state blue. And those same voters are out there. If we just make the case saying, you know, elections matter, look what's happening to the court. We could turn this state blue. But all I hear about are people whining, saying Indiana is going to go to Trump. It doesn't have to be that way. And the other thing we have to be careful of is unless Biden really stomps him, we have not heard the end of Trump. Either he will come back or his, or my real fear is that I think his son is even worse. There's going to be a Trump, you know, the Republican Party basically is the Trump Party. And even if we just soundly beat him, we've not heard the end of these guys. And we need to not only beat him, but beat him soundly and make sure future elections yeah. uh, push them out. I've said that before because yeah, I said worse than Trump is that vice president of y'all's, Mike Pence. That guy just totally, he, I'm not scared of people because I don't have to be, but his policies frighten me to the absolute core. I, I'm just like, uh-uh, no. He, he, he's one of these ones, he smiles, but then you know he's got that knife right in his hand and he's ready to go for it. Yeah, he's a, he's a politician's politician. Um, yeah, I, I um I was thinking about um I was watch, listening to um old Michael Jackson and um Paul McCartney song uh, um say 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 right and in the video uh, it has uh, Paul McCartney is a uh, snake oil salesman. And he's he's going from uh, town to town and he's telling people you can be bigger and you can be stronger and you can be the best. And Michael Jackson comes in and he he takes a drink of whatever liquid it is and he spins around and he's stronger than the strong guy and stuff like that. And I really I really started thinking that is Trump. That's Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the guy who's t who tells you, if you believe in me, if you follow me, you'll be smarter than everybody. You'll be bigger than everybody. You'll be better than everybody. We don't have to follow rules because this is our America. We All the rules bend toward us and, and we'll make other people follow the rules. And even when we break the rules, we're breaking the rules because we deserve to break the rules. And, when, and what he's tapped into is a, it is a mindset of, 
uh, that that is merged so uh, succinctly with white supremacy that it's indistinguishable. Uh, to to he's empowered and emboldened these people who call themselves patriots, but therefore completely disregarding the, the Constitution. So the the people and, and he, they'll call themselves patriots, but their leader has disrespected the military on so many different occasions. But they still follow them because not because they actually care about the tenements of of respect or patriotism or something like that. But he makes them feel like winners. They know that he's not smart enough to be where he's supposed to where he is right now. He's not good enough to be where he is right now, but he's there and people are mad that he's there and they want to be part of the uh, the I guess uh, fervor that that he pushes because if he's a winner then we're a winner even if that means that we burn down the whole country and and while we're doing it if he's a winner then i'm a winner and i think they're not a majority they're a minority and i think the fear that they have that they're a minority and they're being replaced is what's driving them to madness but everybody else you have independence indiana did go blue we have there are independent enough independence in indiana that will take into consideration, okay, we have coronavirus, we have a horrible economy, um, we ha- have a healthcare system that's, that's kaput, we have uh, racial unrest between uh, long-standing uh, mindsets of police violence towards Black people. We need somebody who's steady-handed at the helm who's going to actually fix these things, and he's not it. Right, and you moved into my next topic. Um, I wanted to talk about um, the Rihanna Taylor um, verdict that came by. Um, as soon as I heard that they were boarding up places in Louisville, I should have known what was going to happen. I yeah. thought for sure, oh, they're going to jail. They're going to be charged with murder. It's going to happen. This is clear. This is what I think. I think that the prosecutor lost the case on purpose. He definitely and- because there was 11 witnesses that said, I didn't hear the cops say that this is the police. Mm-hmm. He brings forth the one person who changed his story at least twice. At least yeah. twice this one person changed his story. So he brings him to the grand jury, presents him, somehow forgets the other 11. I personally think this prosecutor, um, Cameron, his name is slipped my mind and uh and you know they could have handled that case daniel cameron a whole lot uh different you know because I, I don't understand why, you know, what was the necessity of going to the house at three o'clock in the morning? You well, they know. Had, yeah, they had a no not warrant. Wait, wait a second, wait a second. Yeah, okay. You know where this person works, okay? You could have went and arrested this person at her job and then took her to her place and searched her place and wouldn't have found her. We wouldn't have got to where we got where all this violence uh, happened. And, you know, the guy goes blindly shooting into the apartment. But even before that, the prosecutor 
wants to say that self-defense began when the police came through, when the police were being shot at. No, self-defense began when the police broke into the house, okay? Mm -hmm. He didn't know who was breaking into that house. He, 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 no person in their right mind would have started shooting at the police if they didn't, if they knew they didn't have a reason to be shooting at the police. I don't care who said they heard it. Obviously, those people were awake, you know. Mm -hmm. Just because somebody knocked on your door and announced themselves doesn't mean you, you know, you still have to wake up and yeah. see what's, what's going on. But yeah, right. We don't know what was presented because the grand jury is done in secrecy. And, but, you know, if you want to get a, a, a indictment, you can get an indictment. So I believe too that he didn't want an indictment. He, de he definitely didn't want an indictment. They, they, they say that um, you can indict a ham sandwich if you want that that's the that's the saying it depends on what you pre present to the grand jury and what we know is that he presented a slanted view of the case and it had to be extremely slanted and it had to be rigid because what we just know without having uh all of the 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 information of the case uh spilled out is that number one the per the whole purpose of the warrant was to get a certain person. That person was already in custody. Yeah, that's so they, 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 Yeah, they didn't they didn't need if they would have done just a little bit of checking because it's in the it's in the system. If they would have done just a little bit of checking before they got this warrant to go get this person, they wouldn't have had to get the warrant. Secondly though, the warrant that they got was fraudulent because they they said that uh the postmaster there in Louisville uh, reported that there were um, that there were strange packages coming to her uh, her house. The postmaster himself said, no, that is absolutely not the case. I made no such report. So they falsified that in order to get the, the no-knock warrant in the first place. Um, the fact that they falsified information to get to get a warrant for somebody that they already had in custody and uh, uh, kicked the door open. He shot at them, and they said that uh, her boyfriend actually shot a police officer while he was shooting. Ballistic reports just came out said that he didn't even he didn't even shoot any of the police officers. So the one police officer that was shot that was friendly fire. So at the very least, the officers should have been indicted for uh, for negligence. At the at the very least, if you couldn't make anything stick. You can make negligence stick because they they the uh, the warrant that they got in the first place they shouldn't have been able to got to get uh, the when they got to the house they didn't check to see if which is something that you should if you're gonna knock into somebody's blow into somebody's house you should check and see if the person that you're looking for is already in your custody they didn't do that at the very least they could have got that but the but the AG once you knew once I knew who he was I knew that there was not going to be an indictment because yeah, did, of yeah. Did you see what he was. was talking about? Oh, his plight as a yeah, black but man. Also, big eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, really? 
Really? You gonna go for that one? Big you said just not the least they could have done. The least they could have did was found out who all was in the house. They didn't even know who was in the house. They didn't even know, I guess, she had another boyfriend, a new boyfriend, and then right. done away with the old boyfriend. That's what I'm saying. She, They could have went to her job and, and stopped her at her job. She is a first responder. They could have mm -hmm. arrested her or detained her at her job and then found out who was at the house and then peacefully go into that house. Because like I say, it's no reason. But the warrant wasn't for her. The, the yeah, warrant was for the ex. So they wouldn't have been able to detain her. But even still, they if the warrant is for a, in a different individual, an individual who's rumored to be there, a little bit of surveillance might have been able to let you know whether he was there or not. And a phone call would have prevented you from busting in the house in the first place. Yeah, but still, it it it's her apartment, right? It's not his apartment, so she's she has to be on the warrant too, not for an arrest, but to go in and search her apartment. Okay, so what's to stop them from when she uh, goes to work? You you just stop her right there at work and say, you know, we need to go back to your apartment because we're looking for so-and-so. She couldn't have called nobody or anything, and things would have been done, and, you know, they would have found out who was there. But, you know, they My just... Friend, you're talking about de-escalation. That's not what... Yeah, that's, that, that's not what they had in mind. Yeah, that's not yeah, part of we, Well, not de-escalation. We would never have reached the... Uh, reached the level of violence, violence wouldn't have never happened. It wouldn't have needed to be happened. It wouldn't have needed to happen. Because she, I'm yeah. sorry. That's, that's the that's the point. Like when when we're when we're talking about police interactions with, with black people, we're not talking about what they have to do. We're talking no, about what I, they can I, do. I, yeah, I understand what no, you're yeah, saying I'm, there. Yeah, I'm not I, I'm not I'm telling you anything you don't I'm not telling racism is yeah. what Took them into the apartment that the way they went in. That was, they felt like they felt like they could do it and nothing would happen to them. That was that's the exactly. that's the mindset. Hey, Randy, you're kind of silent over there. <laughs> yeah, for for a reason, just really out of respect. When I decided to run this campaign, um, you know, Bloomington, Indiana is a great community. It really is. Yeah, but is it a community right now split primarily by race? We had. Attempted lynching over the Fourth of July. Yeah, which, that's what I was going to ask you about that. I reported which, you know, about that. Yeah, which just caused, uh, as you would expect, you know, just horrible um, reactions from the community. And you had people protesting. At one point, they were protesting out in front of the commissioner's office, mm -hmm. and somebody, some crazy lady, lady in a car, drove through the mob, or through the crowd, and um, ran over two people. So I mean it. Yeah. And I felt, you know, people like me are part of the problem. Um, you know, I've always thought I was on the right side of, of race issues. I worked years with the ACLU and fought for racial justice. And I did, I thought I was doing the right things. But it's kind of like you guys talking about what it's like to be disabled. Unless you've lived the life and gone down that path, you don't understand it. And I don't think it's really 
my place um, in this debate other than just do what we should have been doing a long time ago and just listen. And that's what I've tried to do in Bloomington. I understand. Well, if, if people that did take to the streets when, when you know, they act like uh, this racism is a pandemic and it's been going yeah. on for 400 years, okay? And they act like this is totally new after, you know, seeing what happened to George Floyd on TV. I guess they needed to see a video um, to believe that, you know, something like this could be happening in, in America. And, you know, I, I, I have to say, you know, white people took to the streets too, because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, nothing is a problem in America unless it affects white people. That's and true. white people taken to the streets let people know that this pro this is a problem that affects them too. Because you know, this could still happen to them too. Yeah. I, I, and I think and they, but one of the smartest things I did in the campaign is I brought in a friend of mine of color to run the campaign for me. And I wanted his perspective. I did want to listen to what people were saying. And I have learned a lot. And I realized that I'm not saying, you know, if I could get in the streets, I'd still go in the streets. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that too often times I think we, people like me, pose an image of we're going to help solve the problem when we don't really truly understand all this about. And I have tried to listen and I've tried not to be you know, some white guy coming in and trying to have all the answers, because I don't. Um, I understand that, yeah. And I don't think, and I think in Bloomington, you know, there were days and days of public meetings with the commissioners and the council and the city council, and I watched them, and I listened. And I don't think, even now, that most of, most of Bloomington's government is white. I don't think they really, I don't think they heard, no. I don't think they heard the message. Um, no, my, and I think the only way that we're going to really change things in our community and every other is we need to change what we have is virtually an all white government. And we need to take seriously the idea of making it more a government of color. And the only way you're going to do that. And one commitment I've made as commissioner is every week we hear the commissioners say, you know, certain boards and commissions are open, apply. You know, it's time for them to stop announcing that and going out and actually act, you know, recruiting people. And you go to minority uh, interest in the community and you recruit people to fill those boards and commissions and give them an experience so they can run for things like commissioner or council or mayor because until we do that until we get that perspective in our government it's not going to change i just don't i haven't seen it i don't think it's going to i think if we if we're sitting back and we wait on um the heart of um for the lack of a better term white america the heart of white america to change um, and, and to feel empathy enough to be able to show the actual, uh, to make minority issues, uh, actual, uh, prominent feature in their, uh, in their different campaigns or even in their mindsets, it's not going to happen. Um, we've been here long enough and, and that's not even a mindset of, you know, white people don't get it because every, every, uh, 
every racial push that we've had, whether it's the 60s or whether it's abolitionist uh, movement, white people have played a prominent role in that. So there are white people who get it. I think the, the, the mindset is culturally, we're so different because there's one culture that's accepted as, as good culture or American culture. And every other culture is kind of abstract. But the problem is black people have been here so long that you can't really can't really push us into into the abstract category because whether it's our music, whether it's our uh, literature, whether it's media that we produce or something like that, it's mainstream. It's it's so upfront that you can't really say that we're in the background, but people aren't accepting of our culture as being regular. So when we say something like, hey, we're not being treated like you're being treated the first thought that a lot of good white people who haven't even, who, who would never burn a cross or would never say the N word. The first thought is, are you really being mistreated or is it just, you know, your view of things? Cause maybe you're overreacting because white supremacy affects white people also. It makes white people uh, feel as if certain things that have been happening in America are natural. Like it's, it's normal for me not to ever feel threatened when police pull up behind me. And it's normal for minorities to feel a little bit un at ease or, or uh, aggravated or whatever whenever police pull up in front of them. It's not because the police are doing something wrong. This is the, this is the thought process. But it's because, you know, hey, they come from different communities. Um, they're not used to be, or they don't like being told what to do. That's, that's programming, right? So the difference between an older generation and this younger generation, we didn't have internet when we were, you know, when we were kids, when we were, you know, like 11, 12 and, and 13, we, we couldn't see what was happening in California, see what was happening in New York and see what was happening in Texas all at the same time. So our experiences were our experiences, but now this younger generation, they have friends in Japan, they have friends in, you know, in China or, or, are in uh, Australia, so they can they can see the differences and say, "Hey, this group is treated this way, and this group is treated a different way." And not only them, but other countries are viewing it also. And when you have other countries that are saying, "Yeah, you really aren't treating these people right," and yeah, uh, you have people from California, yeah, those people in Indiana aren't really being treated right, and people from New York saying the same thing. Now you're not just making up things. Now it's you're not just. Uh, uh, crying wolf now you're you have people who are viewing it and saying yeah i'm not treated that way either you have young white people who are like yeah this isn't cool this isn't this isn't right i don't want my friends to be scared or to be killed and when you see somebody murdered we see their life leave them on video it does something to you and it should you know uh, let me let me say something. You know, not only do people around the world see what's happening there, but then they also see, well, why are you in my country trying to tell us how to how our country should be ran when you treat your people just as bad? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what that's what Malcolm X wanted to go to the United Nations and and um and 
uh, have a case against the United States because back then they didn't have the internet where you could pull up this information and say, hey, well, we're being mistreated here in the United States as African-Americans. Now you don't even have to go to the UN. They they no. have it on Google. They have it on YouTube. Right. Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick tried to tell people this, what, about four years ago? Yeah, and nobody wanted to listen, you know. They they it his message was lost on police brutality and it became did he have the right or didn't he have the right to kneel? You know, now now it's fashionable. That's what I call it because people are kneeling now in circles that weren't kneeling before because they realize and believe what what is going on but you know it to me does it become a protest if it's fashionable you know a protest to me is is civil some type of civil disobedience be it violent or non-violent you know when it's fashionable it's like the the government says it's okay, you know, for you to kneel, or it's okay for you not to kneel. It's okay for you to protest. Uh, it shouldn't be like that, you know. Uh, during the civil rights movement, you know, this was all about civil, non uh, or nonviolent civil disobedience. That's what the civil rights movement was about, you know. But you listen to that older generation back then tell this generation now how they should be proceed obediently, you know. And but you didn't proceed obediently back there in the '60s. That's why the police were sicking dogs on us. That's why. Uh, we were being murdered. We were being put in jail. The water hoses were being put on us. You know, you can't tell people that to pr proceed in a in a uh, in an obedient manner. You know that it your movement just becomes a moment. Then. And I'm afraid we're losing. This moment, although there are people still out there marching, bless their heart, because they're my heroes, because they've been marching out there for a long time, and they're not getting paid to do this, okay? So, and they're doing it, you know, under the risk of going to jail or, or something worse, you know, so. Well, the reason I think that people and I, like me, you know, when I heard the Louisville decision, it just, it was so, it made me realize how far we have to go. And the reason I, I say that people like me need to listen more and that we don't really understand what it's like to be uh, black or brown or of color in this, in this country is that we've not lived that life. And what hit me the hardest is that that attempted lynching in Bloomington, um, mm -hmm. I have three grandchildren with another one on the way due in November and I adore them to death. One of my grandsons is black. And my campaign manager, uh, his name is Brandon Drake. He saw me, he said, Randy, 
we're talking about your grandson. And until, I mean, and to say that I worry about him, I look at him and I wonder what kind of world are we going to give him? And what kind of justice system will he be subjected to? And will he, when I was with the ACLU, I was traveling with a friend of mine, he was black. He was in a car in front of me, we were driving separately to Indianapolis. And he got stopped in Martinsville, Indiana, which um, anyone who knows Indiana very well. And I pulled up behind him. And as soon as the police officers, well, first what happened is that before a police officer stopped him and within, before I got behind him, three other police cars, one came up on the side, another one came from behind and another one blocked his, his car in the front. There were, five cars on top of him before I could even get there. It was the first time I'd ever heard of the phrase, you know, driving while black. And, you know, I look at my grandson and I, I, I hope that we give him a better world than what we have currently. But if we're gonna do that, there's a lot of work we have to do. And I do think people need to, people like me need to listen more, talk less. Um, you guys gave me a whole lot of thought there. I, I almost don't want to move on to the next topic, but I got to move on to the next topic. Um, so the final thing that we are going to be are going to talk about is a subject that I think is going to get a lot of discussion is what do voters want? I, I scratch my head because I know exactly what it is that I want. Like I, I definitely, my number one issue is Medicare for all. It's the number one issue. I don't want to hear anything about um, the the public option. If you are not for the if you are not for Medicare for all, you do not get my vote. I'm for the Green New Deal. I'm for fifteen dollars an hour. I'm for free college. I know exactly what it is that I want. But when I talk to most people who are going to vote, they basically tell me one or two things: I don't want Trump, and I don't care what's going on. I think we need a little bit more than that, but that seems to be what we're getting. I, I'd love to hear you guys' this, this, the thoughts on what is it that you think that voters want? I personally have no idea. I, I, I'm just lost. I really think it depends on the age. Like I had this conversation with my aunts because um, I, I was in the camp for Bernie Sanders. I was a heavy Bernie Sanders uh, supporter. And what I found out is that um, there are a lot of older people who could not connect with Bernie Sanders' message because Medicare for all for them means that they're not going to be able to have the doctors that they've had before or the treatment that they've had before, and they don't want to sacrifice that for the greater good. Um, even even talking to them and saying that, listen, this means that you'll be able to go to whoever you want to. That you'll be, it doesn't matter what city or what state you go to, that you'll be able to get health care and you won't be bankrupt because of it. it. It didn't really matter. It didn't resonate. So they, they preferred a public option as opposed to um, Medicare for all. Whereas younger people who haven't been in their jobs for 40 years uh, or, or who ha aren't vested and don't have that vested insurance with their companies don't care about a public option because a public option isn't going to do as much for them as Medicare for all is going to do for the whole populace. So it, it, it really depends on the age group. The older you are, the more engaged that you'll be as far as what you're looking for. I know me personally, 
I'm I don't consider myself a Democrat or a Republican. Um, I I'm, I consider myself somebody who um, who well independent without you know being superfluous with with my you know thoughts on it. But reparations is something that I care about. Um, Medicare for all is something that I care about. Green New Deal is something that I care about. But that's because I'm engaged. I've been paying attention ever since the Bush era uh, of um, of presidency. I've been engaged in finding out what was going on because I was I was one of those people who I don't I didn't know anything. I was just voting. My, in fact, my, uh, my ex father in law had asked me. Uh, he asked me, "What do you think about George Bush?" And I said, "I don't like him." And he said, well, well, why not? And I said, uh, nobody else likes him, right? So, and he read me the riot act and it, rightfully so because I was making political decisions based off of a, a crowd noise. Um, and it really inspired me to start looking into policies, looking into things. So I started investigating. I found out I, I still don't like them, but at least I knew why. Yeah, now you <laughs> know I, I knew, yeah, At least I knew why. Uh, but but it, it takes it takes that for some people. Some people will never get there. Some people will never care enough about politics. But we have a president right now that's so polarizing that it's making people who normally wouldn't think anything about politics at least think about it a little bit, even if they don't have the knowledge base because they haven't been following it for years. They at least say, OK, I don't want this guy. I don't know what I want, but this guy I don't want. Yeah, and for me, my wake up moment was in the 2000s, I voted for Ralph Nader. There was no absolutely positively way I was ever going to vote for Al Gore. It wasn't going to happen. No, I didn't care. I didn't buy. And I still I still don't buy into this whole argument. A vote for who I'm voting for is Howie Hawkins. I don't care who knows it. That's who I'm voting for. I don't think me voting for him is a vote for Trump. No, I'm voting for Howie Hawkins. I'm not voting. <laughs> For Trump, I'm voting for this person. But that's a whole different discussion. But my definite wake up moment was when I voted for Ralph Nader and then I got what he was saying. I was like, okay, now I understand. And I was like, what, 20, what, 2000? I was born in 70. Yeah, I'm not gonna tell how old I was, but yeah, I was old enough to vote for him. Good for, good for you. I gotta, I gotta do the plug for the Green Party. Um, I'd first like to say about that whole spoiler kind of argument. The only spoilers in our country right now are the Democrats and the Republicans. They have spoiled our future for our kids from now to the, as far in the future as you can look. We may hand over to our kids a planet that can't even sustain them. So it wasn't Ralph Nader and it's not any other green or independent candidates that are the spoilers. The spoilers are the two party system that got us in this mess. And that's why I'm hoping that, you know, one of the reasons I'm running in Monroe County is that my God, you know, they're all Democrat elected officials and I'm running as a Green Party candidate. Give us one seat, one independent voice in government. You know, you got a zillion Democrats you can hug if I do something true, you know, truly outrageous. But I'm not that good. I can't save the world and I can't destroy the world. So, I mean, one seat out of government is all we're asking for. But to answer your question, I, you know, I majored in political science at IU. And now none of the things I learn actually apply anymore because it's all crazy. But you know, one of the fundamental things I learned in campaigns is that people are basically selfish and they're gonna vote their pocketbook. 
they're going to vote for the candidate who can give them what they need or want or not take it away from them. And I think in large measures, I think that still exists. I think a lot of the Trump people came out of the marsh um, during the last recession. And if you listen to some of them, and I agree with it, they saw Wall Street break down our economy. Homes were lost. Retirement funds were lost. Some people have never regained from that. And not one single Wall Street person ever got indicted or ever got um, convicted of anything. And, there's, and there weren't that many. There were only like a dozen guys who just about drove our country you know, into the ocean. So I understand that that experience made people so bitter that all they want to do is hurt the government that hurt them. And they saw Donald Trump as the guy most likely to destroy the government that they hated. Yeah. I, I get that. But at some point in time, it's got to go back to some reality that says people need to vote for what's going to take care of them. And I think eventually they're going to look at it and say, really, all Trump has done is burn down the barn. He hasn't done anything constructive for people. And I think hopefully what people want to answer your question is the candidate who can give them what they need to make a better life for either themselves or their kids, to have good health care, to have you know, a living wage. Those things, I think, will resonate eventually. But the hatred has to be has to subside. And right now, the hatred, I think, in this country is just blinding us. Yeah, I do, too. I agree with that. So final topic for this um, discussion, and again, thank you all for coming, um, is the debates are tomorrow. Yay, everybody just, everybody just get excited about it. So I plan on watching all two hours. I think it's two hours um, because I do this show. Obviously, I have to watch it. What is it that, and we'll start with, uh, well, it looks like Charles is busy. So I'll start with you, Randy. What is it that you're looking for in the debates tomorrow? No, no. I oh, you're, okay. Say, oh, okay. Can you, can you, yeah, I want, you know, I too am independent, you know. Uh, to me, anybody who is not actually a party member paying dues to a party doesn't belong to the party. They just vote along those lines of, 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 of the party. And this election, I look at it, I like to do an analogy. I look at it, okay, the foundation of my house is bad and it really needs to be fixed. And it's and if I don't do anything, it's gonna get worse. Regardless if I just do something, you know, I need to do something to stop it from getting worse. You know, this is the United States of America, not the divided states of America. And that's that's pretty much what it's been, you know. I I don't think anything is going to get better uh, if Biden is, is elected, but I really don't think it's going to get worse than it is now if, uh, if Trump is elected again. And, you know, that's, that's my feelings about it. Yeah, I was a Bernie Sanders. I voted for him in the primary, but you know, it, it didn't work that way. And unfortunately that independent party 
isn't getting up on the stage with the two major parties. And if that doesn't happen, that independent person is is going to lose. I mean, unless that those two parties are so bad that nobody really wants them, it's nobody really even knows because there are other independent parties. It's not just the Green Party. There, there are all kind of independent parties out there running, but nobody has knows anything about them, you know? I mean, that has to take effect as, as a grassroots. It just has to grow. It's not just gonna jump up on that stage uh, just all at once. So that's my say. Okay, now um, since you're talking, what is it that you're gonna be looking for on debates on tomorrow? Or are you planning on watching them? Well, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Biden doesn't have to defend himself as, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Trump is the one who has to attack Biden because he's down in the polls and all of his, his, his garbage is coming out. Woodward just exposed him on tape as the liar just, uh, last, was it last week? Uh, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, okay. Uh, you know, his niece is, niece is suing him. Uh, they got all kind of litigation going against him. And I'm wondering, you know, well, what kind of surprise can they have that is against Biden? What can he do wrong out there? Because Trump, you know, he didn't messed up. He's messed up the pandemic. He's messed up the economy. He's gonna be blamed for uh, uh, the rate, the racial issues that are going on. He tries to push the law and order under uh, things that are happening that would happen under Biden, but they're happening under his uh, administration. So, you know, I just think, you know, Biden just needs to not stumble over himself and, and, and just blow it. Trump is the one who has to bring it. Because, but, you know, I still feel, you know, people should have made up their mind already. I just can't believe it's people who are sitting there and haven't made up their mind already with what's going on. So like I say, I'm not really looking for nothing because it's, it's nothing that, that Trump's gonna do to change my mind to vote for Trump. Okay, how about you, Randy? What are you looking for tomorrow? You know, honestly, um, my wife doesn't let me watch Notre Dame football because my blood pressure gets too high while I'm watching the game. My <laughs> guess is she's gonna probably try to keep me away from those debates. You know, the debates just, they're so, they're so meaningless in terms of we picked our nominee because the networks really, you know, lined everybody up and all they did on the debates was cover the one-liners. And I'm sure both Biden and Trump have got their team there saying, oh, if you say this one-liner, you're going to get coverage. We didn't learn anything from the debates. It was a beauty pageant for the Democrats. 
And my guess is if we had more substance in those debates, Joe Biden would not be our nominee. So we saw a lot of very good qualified people fall by the wayside, for, wayside because of this image we have of the, these being debates. They're not. And I don't think anybody objectively is going to get much out of them other than what they thought when they came into them. And so I'm not sure I'm going to watch them. What I'll probably end up doing is record them, fast forward through Trump and listen to Biden. Um, wow. and, and my normal, I think my interest is, again, is what's the media going to say? Who won, who lost? Because that's going to matter. But these these debates and how we run American politics is like a beauty pageant. Um, I can understand now why Reagan did so well because it was a Hollywood setting then and it's, it's even worse now. So yeah. I guess, yeah, I'll probably watch them after the fact and probably fast forward through Trump. Okay, Mark, it's on you. What are you, what are you looking forward to more? Are you planning on watching them? I, I'm going to try and watch them. Um, I'm, I am a truck driver by trade. So uh, normally I'm driving, uh, during that time, but I'm gonna try and listen to them at least if they have them on. I, I really at this point, like, like, uh, like Charles said, we've we've made our decision, um, and the only thing you're really looking for is what are his policies? What is what is he saying that he's going to do when he becomes president? We, I don't care how aggressively he goes after Donald Trump, uh, Joe Biden. I don't care how I've already determined that Joe Biden is a better man than Donald Trump um, and he'll be a better leader than Donald Trump. So I, I don't you're not going to win me. Um, I'm sure there's some people who somehow have been able to bypass the racism, bypass the the classism, bypass the the inappropriateness, and still see that you know they're on a level playing field or something like that, or they they can't determine one person or the other. I'm sure there's a few, but most people have dug in to what their ideology is concerning this election. Um, and I personally, I wish that there was a third party um, that that had made as much of an impact. I've heard about the Green Party. A friend of mine was talking to me about the Green Party. Um, my personal feeling is that it really doesn't matter what Joe Biden says or what Donald Trump says. Joe Biden is going to get my vote for this election. The next election, I'm hoping that a third party um, pushes itself to the mainstream so that they can make more of an impact than, uh, than they could make at this time. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm looking for two things. I'm definitely looking for two things. I know, number one, Trump is going to lie every time he opens his mouth. I'm just, I'm just like, I've already set my mind up. But I really want to hear um, what um, Biden is going to say. Because I was extremely disappointed at that so-called Democratic convention that they had. I mean, it was literally no issues. I want to hear, what are you talking about issues? Now, I've made myself very clear. There's no absolutely positively way I'm voting for Biden. Nope, it's not going to happen. I'm not voting for Trump. I'm writing in my vote. That's the way I'm going to go. However, I said that last time and I ended up voting for Obama. And I did a whole previous video about why I regretted that second vote, but I did. I went in and voted for him again. So anything could happen between now and election time. I really want to hear what specific thing Biden is going to do about the COVID-19 stimulus. Is he going to do propose any amount is he gonna say it should be 2,000 1200 what is he going to do um is 
are they planning on taking over the Senate? Because if we have the same thing we have now where the Republicans control the Senate, we're going to have what we had under Obama where nothing happened. So how is he going to work with that if it happens? Now, of course, if he gets a Democratic Senate, then it should be easy peasy. You get to do what you want. So um, I'm really interested to see if I don't think he will because he hasn't yet. I haven't heard him talk policy not one time. Um, so I'm really interested to see, will he finally talk about policy or is it just going to be Trump bad? I know he's bad. I keep saying he's bad. I know he's bad. Tell me something else. So that's what I'm watching for tomorrow. I think Kamala does most of the talking about policy. Uh, and I think yes. that it's because I think it's because Joe Biden is declining mentally and I don't care. I'm, they could put a baked potato up there next to Donald Trump and, and ask me uh, to you, vote. And, and you call potato. We, we would have president baked potato. Uh, that would that, if it was up to me, I could care less be, because if if you're not going to make the country worse, we, we're at a we're at a precipice right now where. Um, all the racism that we thought was gone um, has bubbled up to the surface. Um, it, we we saw it during Donald, not Donald Trump, during uh, President Obama's run. We saw it as as black community did. But there were our white friends and allies who was like, well, no, maybe that's not it. And then this happened. And now it's like, oh, it really was about race. Yeah, it really like was that. about so race. Yeah, the, you, you weren't making stuff up. So now it's it all the all of the racism that we never dealt with as a country is bubbling up to the surface and now we have to have a conversation of are we going to deal with this are we going to do something about it or do we just need to get plane tickets and, and go back to africa one of one of the two things need to happen because we can't continue to brush this under the rug absolutely i was going to mention because i've often thought about how did we go from obama to here and I wonder oftentimes that if had we not had the recession and people saw their houses and their, their livelihoods going by the wayside, would, would Obama have been elected? Because I think they looked at Obama as being the person that could save what they had and help them keep it. And is that the main reason they voted for him? Because how can you go from Obama to the hatred you've got now? It's a, I think a lot of it was. I think a lot of it was undercover racist. I think that George okay. W. did such a terrible job when, when Obama ran, it was like, okay, he can't do any worse. So right, let's right. just vote for him. And he then he rescued the economy or was seen as rescuing the economy. So they elect him again. But then that racism that Mark is talking about, it just steadily kept building up. And here comes yeah. Trump talking about Mexicans are murderers and rapists. And boom, bam, he's in the White House. And then, of course, to me, the Democrats ran the worst candidate in Hillary Clinton that they ever could have ran. Gosh. I mean, come on, really? I mean, I voted for her, but I yeah. fell into that. A vote for this person is a vote for that person. And I said, no, not doing that no more. But you know I what I'll say? I, I'll say that it's not that Hillary Clinton was the was the worst candidate. She's not a politician. Her husband is a politician. Um, the, the muscles that you need to be a good politician, you got to be able to kiss the babies. You got to be able to make people feel like you're actually listening to them, even if you're not. You have to make people feel like that you're going to do something to affect their lives because you hear them and not that you're annoyed by them. And Hillary Clinton is not a politician. She is somebody who will work backroom deals and will probably come about with good policy. But she's not the kind of person that you put out in front and and and, ha and sell them to the American people. Yeah, and that yeah. was the problem. 
Yeah, Joe yeah, Biden is more likable than Hillary Clinton. I mean, if you just look at the two, he's more likable than she is. And that's why I think he's leading by bigger margins than she was at this time. Because when you think about the Clintons, I think about Monica Lewinsky. I think about Watergate. I think about all these scandals that they had. And even though she wasn't president, well, your husband was. So I'm going to have to hold you accountable for the fact that he passed the crime bill. I'm going to have to hold you accountable for the fact that people had two jobs. Even though you didn't hold the office, it was your husband. You're running under his name. So guess what happens? Trump well, easily wins. Well, we still knew that we were running a candidate whose unfavorables were higher than her favorables. Exactly. And you usually don't do that in a presidential campaign. You don't. Um, yeah, but Bernie, you know, you know, Bernie, made, Bernie made a good run. Yeah. I think that was stolen from him. But we could have run any Democrat with better favorables and had a shot at it. But we did that deliberately. I mean, she owned hear, the party at the time. Pardon me? She owned the party at the time financially. Right. They were in debt and they needed money and she gave it to them. Right. And in order for her to be the nominee. And so. I, you know, I hear Democrats, you know, blame Comey and everybody else for their losses. I really look at them and say, you lost that race on your own. You know, yeah. you did some really dumb things and Hillary did some dumb things. She didn't visit and Michigan. Like, how do you not, how are you Democrat and you lose Michigan? In Michigan, right. I'm like, really? Girl, really? Yeah. Michigan. Horrible campaign. Michigan yeah, and Wisconsin. Democrats should not be, that's like if, if Trump lost Indiana. Now I said yeah. if he lost Texas, I was stripped. But if he loses Indiana, so help me, somebody getting punched in the face. Because yeah. Yeah. you have to run a pee-poor campaign to lose Michigan and Wisconsin, two states that Democrats always do well. I'm like, how? How did yeah. you not visit, not want to, how? So you, yeah, they tried to blame Comey. They tried to blame us, Bernie supporters, but the majority of us went ahead and voted for her because basically Bernie was like, "You got to vote for her." It didn't mm -hmm. work. He's doing the same thing with Joe Biden. I don't know how well it's gonna work this time either, but I know y'all think he's gonna win, but I'm like, mm -mm, no. Nah, well, all I'm saying is that we went blue in 2008, and there's no reason we can't do it again. Yeah, well, we can. The I only still don't believe that. I still don't believe that uh, that uh, it's about Biden. I, it's 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 more about the issues. This it this is about the the COVID. This is about people who losing their their uh, their pre existing condition. People who lost their jobs. Yeah, now they got to get some kind of probably public uh, health assistance or uh, health care, and they won't be able to get their, their pre-existing conditions on it. You know, this is about knowing that this administration wants to take all that away from us. You know, they, they, matter of fact, Trump was doing this on day one that they were trying to uh, do away with the Affordable Care Act and, and somebody decided to take time and read it and say, you know, if you might think that Obamacare is bad, well, you better read this new uh, health care that they're trying to just jam down your throats without even talking to you about. 
and and then John McCain, you know, just shot him in the foot on that, you know, but they've been the past few years still trying to get rid of it. Now, you know, they're 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 stacking the the uh the justice system and gonna go that route and try to get rid of it. But you know, people gonna remember these things when they go to the ballot box. And all I can think is either you're a rich white male or you must be a, a really racist person that you will vote for Trump because uh, then you're just shooting yourself in your own foot just to vote for Trump. The, pro the problem is Trump supporters would rather die than to admit they were wrong. So we can't... If you're trying to win over Trump supporters, stop. That that they're they're a type of mind. They have a type of mindset, a type of groupthink that tells them that admitting that they were wrong is showing weakness and giving up their country. So they're not going to admit. It, you, Trump could shoot their mother. He could rape their daughter. He could blow their house up. It doesn't matter as long as he wins. If he wins, they win. So instead of trying to win over Trump supporters, what we have to do is we have to focus on the people who actually care about the country and care about moving it forward in a positive direction. And, and that means when that means, number one, black issues don't just get a committee where we sit around and talk about what could possibly happen. Why did this happen and how do we get to this place? Put money in places that needs to be put draw up legislation that stops giving cops qualified immunity, put actual things in place. Don't talk about it. We've talked about it for at least 150 years. Do something about it. Change one city and then change the state and then change the country, but don't, don't talk about it. Be about it, like they say. Um, and, when, and focus on the people who who maybe they don't agree with everything that you agree with, or they don't like everything that you like, but they do care about the country more, more than they care about the party. I care less about Democrat or Republican. It doesn't mean anything to me. I grew up in Gary and I was able to dodge being in gangs in Gary. So I'm not going to be in a gang once I'm an adult. Right. So I'm, I'm for whatever is best for the country. Focus on the people who care about the country and not trying to turn Trump supporters into Biden supporters. Yeah. Well, you know the, the formula that and, and also you oh, have up, to hey, look Charles. at hey could you hold up a second because yeah. Randy was just about to jump in with something and I want to get his thought. Well you know the formula in 08 that the Obama campaign did at least in Indiana was it's not enough to, to go vote yourself. You need to bring in five people with you, friends or family. Just be responsible for five people, including yourself. And I think that formula worked. Lee Hamilton, who used to be a congressman um, in our area, went through the state encouraging people to do the same thing. That's the kind of effort we're going to need. And that effort worked in 08, and that effort could do the very same thing. Only well, issues are much more, much more important now than they were even back in 08. Um, yeah. I, think, I think Indiana needs to get our vote out. And I think we could be, I think we could vote blue again. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Now I think we're about we're about to be blue here in uh, in Arizona. We were we elected our first uh, Democrat senator since 1964, 
uh, the last election, and we're about to vote a new one in now, plus Trump is ahead in the, uh, in the polls here. But it's, you know, and we also got to look at, too, the, the moderate Republicans, because I, it looks like the moderate Republicans are, are, are going for Biden. You know, you, you look at what is that called? The Lincoln, Lincoln Ave project? Lincoln you know, project. that's a Republican group putting out uh, information not to vote for, for Biden, you know. Uh, you mean not I just, like I say, I just believe Biden's going to win. Uh, that's my final thought. Yeah. Well, guys, it's 747. I didn't mean to take up all your time, but we had such a great discussion. I wish it could go longer, but I know you all have lives because I have one too. But <laughs> I hope you all come back next week because next week is going to be really interesting. <laughs> Um, I'll have my thoughts about the debate because I definitely plan on watching it. So um, everybody well. who's watching, I thank you for joining us. Tune in on Fridays on YouTube. Um, the link is in the descriptions. Um, you'll want to like, share, subscribe, and enjoy Tracy Takes On. And I thank everybody and have a great day, everybody. Thank you. All right, Charles, you I hope you feel better. I yep. will. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thanks right. a lot. Y'all have a good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mark. No problem. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. Thanks for the invitation. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Okay, Charles, you're the last one that's got to go. Okay. So you just click it out, and then I'll end this. I'm trying to figure out how to end this. Hold on. Wait a minute. I think I can do it for you. I can just go in and do it for you. Oh, I think, no, is this it at the, the red light at the end? Yep, I'm going to go ahead and remove you. So that, okay, gotcha. Okay, that was the episode three. So remember, like, share, subscribe. Everything's in the comments. Thank you all and have a great evening. Bye-bye.